We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Emprise debit cards are contactless, secure, and faster than ever. So fast, they're giving the cheetah a run for his money. Emprise Bank member FDIC, big supporters here of KC Sports Network. So appreciative of them and all they've done to make KCSN where we are today. And you know what? You know who's been a part of what KCSN is today? My dear pals. First find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what's good? Well, it's good that we did finally get through this introduction. It <laughs> took us as many takes as days have passed since the Chiefs have actually played football when we're bringing this game recap to you guys. So, you know, sorry about that. I know there's some people that have been in the KCSN Discord asking when there's going to be a, you know, a post-game show or a game recap. We're getting to it now. You know, Sorry, we've had busy weekends throughout a lot of us, these two, with new children, You know, all sorts of stuff going on. We're getting to it now. We may have taken 17 introductions to get to this point, but we are here in the culprit for many of these restarts. Craig Stout, find him on Twitter at The Big Institution. How you doing, bud? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to change the Twitter handle. You, you convinced me. It's time. I'll have to see if that's even available. Like, it, it, just get the switch going now. Uh, very excited to talk about the Chiefs. Very excited to use my hands uh, when I'm talking. I'm a very, I'm a big hand talker. And the last episode, I was holding the baby the entire time. So if you heard a child during the last episode, that was mine. It wasn't Tucker. So it wasn't Tucker. It, <laughs> it, it was my kid. So I apologize for that if you heard that. But yeah, this is, this is the real part of all of this. So, uh, Ready to talk about some Chiefs right now, though. We will certainly talk about some Chiefs, but first, I just want to make it clear that the big institution is still available on Twitter. I have mm. searched for it, and the only mm. thing that pops up is someone referencing Craig as the hashtag <laughs> big institution. Well, I mean, everyone heard it. This is in a podcast. Now, you have to actually go change it. This is in video, audio forms. Like, this has to be done. Do you remember yeah. what do you remember when parody accounts were a thing? Like, this is a prime opportunity. Wait, Maddie, hold on. I can monologue for like two minutes if you want to set up another Twitter account real quick. <laughs> you guys can have it. Oh, man, I didn't get it. Um, oh, no. Let's talk Chiefs. Yeah, let's talk Chiefs. And uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, Taco Charlton uh, was not released today. He was released yesterday. Kind of a surprise stemming from the game against the Arizona Cardinals on Friday. That was a kind of a surprising move in some regard. Maddie, it's a big name, but he was also playing with the threes against the Cardinals. 
And when he got on the field, I mean, he wasn't overly impressive. And now we're not there every single day at camp. We're not in all the practices or meetings. So you don't know how impressive Taco Charlton had been throughout this camp process. But I mean, clearly because they cut him, other guys were more impressive. I think if you go back and watch the game, you know, Tim Ward has shown a lot of progress this year, a lot of development. He clearly seems like he had surpassed him on the depth chart. Joshua Kando is a rookie. He's definitely going to need some work, but he looked like he was playing just as well, if not better. So being a younger guy, you want to get him in there. And then just, you don't know how healthy Taco is. He is coming off of an injury. He's still recovering. Maybe he just wasn't fully up to speed where he could have been in the past. I mean, he's also a guy that's bounced through, what, three, four teams now. So it's not like he was this proven NFL starter, starting caliber player. It's just the Chiefs brought him back. They gave him an opportunity, and it just sounds like some other guys outperformed him, whether at practice or in these games. And I'm just kind of excited that Tim Ward should be in good position to get a chance now because I really liked what I've seen from Tim Ward through the first two games now. Yes, absolutely. Um, Tim Ward and Taco Charlton were on the field together. At times, uh, Joshua Kando and Alex Okafor were both getting reps ahead of him, both in the dime. So that's a thing that we're going to need to pay attention to, basically. You know, that dime rusher position was one of those that we talked about with Taco Charlton a lot. Steve Spagnuolo did not trust him on base downs, didn't put him out there, wasn't quite the same run defender as, you know, as some of the other guys that the Chiefs have. So... I think that jo that Josh Kando, Tim Ward, those guys maybe can play the run a little bit better. They're certainly a little bit younger. They've got a little bit more of a developmental arc that they can continue through. And a guy like Joshua Kando, you're not giving up on yet. Obviously, he's a draft pick yeah. this year. Tim Ward is a guy that I think played his way onto the roster the past two weeks. And that's unfortunate for Taco. I, I'm big Taco Charlton fan from last year. I thought that that was a good move, the Chiefs bringing him back this year because he did lead the team in pressure rate. Now, albeit he only rushed the passer by and large, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't on the field for very many rundowns, but he, he was mostly a pass rusher. I felt like those, those rushes were good, good enough to where they should be on a team. I think that this might be a situation where maybe he's still recovering from the injury. Maybe he's got a little bit, what bit of ways to go there. And the chief just see an opportunity in Tim Ward, a guy that's really shown out this preseason and saying, we're going to go a little bit younger and we're going to release Taco Charlton now. So hopefully he can latch on with another team. Well, I mean, look, it, it, it's kind of been an up, like, like Maddie kind of said, it's been an up and down year, uh, our career for a Taco Charlton. So this is not a guy that you know, has a big track record of a lot of success. He's coming off an injury and that plays a big factor. I think it's, you know, this was a guy that kind of seemed like he was on his way to a little bit of a reclamation here with the chiefs. He was having a pretty quality year as, as Craig said, leading the, the chiefs and pressure rate really solid, you know, had some value. He had a, his, some value in a rotation gets hurt. If he's not the same guy and there's not really that big track record or an expectation that he's going to be, you know, a, a rotational piece for this team, it makes sense that he's not a part of the mix anymore. And, you know, I, I've kind of tended to side on the, I kind of tend to like to side on the side of, you know, some of these guys like Taco Charlton, Alex Okafor, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because they're known commodities and I'm expecting them to make this football team. So like, that's kind of been my MO with some of these guys. And, you know, very obviously Taco Charlton, you know, we, we kind of all expected him to be back. He seemed he was back relatively quick this offseason. It wasn't like he was a June uh, acquisition. Right. He, he was on. He wasn't Okafor. 
Yeah, he wasn't Okafor, who got added late into this team. So, yeah, right. it's yeah. So it's just, you know, it was a little bit surprising. I kind of expect I didn't think there was anything to write home about this offseason at all uh, or this preseason at all, uh, if I'm being candid. But at the same time, you know, he's working back. Do they have enough trust in him that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, is 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 going to, you know, get back on track. And very clearly, the Chiefs feel more comfortable with a guy like Tim Ward right now, I think, who has definitely positioned himself. And Maddie, he's had a decent you know, he's kind of had a decent training, uh, a, a decent preseason here for, for Timmy War these these two games. Yeah, and that's where I think he caught everyone's eye, I think, in the first game. And then he still wasn't as flashy against the Cardinals, but I think he still came out and played pretty well. I think I actually saw him do pull off a nice little hump move at one point in time later down the stretch. He just, mm-hmm. he's built out his pass rush arsenal. He's got a build that should translate to some level of success in Steve Spagnuolo's system, especially as he keeps adding weight, can play the run a little bit better. But I think one of the big things you want to look at here too is Taco Charlton, even last year during, you know, his good run with the Chiefs where he was being an efficient pass rusher, he was essentially just rushing the passer for a defensive end group that really became one of the Chiefs' bigger weaknesses down the stretch. By and large, that group should be better this year. That group should be improved. So if you're going to take away somebody, I mean, taking away a guy that played one of the least amount of snaps, even on a per game basis, does kind of make sense. Like I said, I never thought that he was a lock to make this roster. I feel like he got a lot of hype kind of for Chiefs fans because of the efficiency that he rushed the passer with last year. But he's not some kind of just great guaranteed player. I'll be interested to see if he even gets picked up by another team or is just going to a practice squad. Because I just think that's where he's at in his career right now, especially while he's recovering. Did anybody else, especially down the stretch, you know, in the latter half of the game, catch your eye on defense, Craig? I mean, definitely Josh Kando. Uh, we we spoke about him a little bit. I I felt like Josh Kando had himself a really good game in preseason week two. Week one, you could tell that he was you know shaking the rust off a little bit. You know, this is the first time that he was you know had bullets flying at him at an NFL level. I I felt like he processed the game pretty quickly on some run concepts, and it could be that you know Steve Spagnuolo and company are telling him you know you shoot this, you see this, you're unblocked here, you just immediately shoot that, not having him quite you know having to go through a whole bunch of reads but it happens fast and that's what you want out of that guy because he is an athletic guy and you're going to have situations where you can have the coaching staff tell him listen it's okay if you fail at this just fail fast you know uh, you know make yourself in the backfield make yourself be impactful one way or another had a great job stopping a read option play off of a quarterback near the goal line, had a couple of pretty good rushes, actually dropped into coverage a little bit and got himself in a throwing lane, almost got his paw on a ball. So a couple of positive indicators there could have led towards Taco Charlton being released. They they may see the growth happening a little bit quicker with Joshua Kando than they thought, but I thought he actually performed pretty well. And I'm, I I think he's going to get a lot of reps this weekend or on Friday when they play again. So I'm really anxious to see, are we going to continue to see that growth? Are we going to see him get better as the preseason goes along? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's got him a little bit more, more interesting now, obviously. So Let's talk a little bit about this preseason game against the Cardinals. Uh, we got a little bit bigger sample size of the of the first team, both sides of the football. That was nice to see. Uh, just we'll start with you, Maddie. What's a high level takeaway that you had from this Cardinals game? Oh, I think there's so Byron Pringle. I think Byron Pringle's put together a couple back to back good games here. When the ball goes near him, he is catching it, which is something that can't be said for you know a lot of receivers, not just Chiefs receivers, but a lot of receivers so far mm-hmm. in the preseason. He's 
producing well in the role that the Chiefs have been missing without Sammy Watkins, that X receiver role. So he ran a nice slant route. You saw him catch that ball on the skinny post from Chad Haney, you know, in the second quarter that was leading into the touchdown. That first week he got the touchdown on the rub route. Like he's had a pretty solid preseason, I think, so far. So I think Byron Pringle's doing the best job he can to build up his case to start getting some more of those wide receiver reps when there's only two wide receivers on the field. He's a bigger physical wide receiver compared to some of the other guys. If he can block as well during that as he can that he's shown in the past. And I think he's getting a fast track to split at least time with McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson or whoever else may be one of those top tier wide receivers. I think it's very interesting to watch what the run concepts that this offensive line is calling. I, I kind of put this in our group chat last night. Um, they kind of let off the game with a couple split zones and then they started mixing it up. They ran a little GT counter. They ran some power. They ran some duo. They ran, they ran a little bit of GH counter, including more one with Jody. Too. And more under, under center. center. Yes. Yeah. It, under it center. just, yeah. it was a very mixed bag and i mean that in a positive way not in like a, well it didn't look great on these and it didn't no it was a very mixed bag in that you couldn't pin down what the chiefs were going to call with their run concepts and we've been preaching about that all season long about how or all off season long about how the chiefs are going to be better because of the diversity that they can offer in the run game that sets up you know, a defense is guessing a little more what the concepts are going to be. It's not as traditional in certain down and distances. They can call a little bit more varied stuff in the run game there. And it also sets up the RPOs that come off of that. So we know Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to lean on those for a lot of concepts. If you have a varied run game and you're adding the RPOs on top of it, it makes it ridiculously difficult to pin this offense down or put them in a box, basically. You can play a variety of ways depending on how the defense is guarding you, and you can rely on that variety of ways. You're not going to be in a situation where it's like, well, crap, this, this defense figured out our inside zone and uh, RPOs that were running off of it. You can be a little more broad with your play calls, and that's going to be just absolutely fantastic from Andy Reid. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's part of the reason I, I kind of wrote about this week is like there's, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to remind people, you know, just kind of give a high level, you know, <laughs> conversation about run pass options, what they are, kind of give a little, little example, because we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about them, I believe, this, this season. I think there's going to be a lot of reason to be talking about them. Uh, and so I kind of want to give a high level conversation, but Craig nailed it. You look at the diversity of the run game, and there's always going to be pass concepts tied to this diverse run game. So there's going to be a lot of players in conflict, all you know, a lot of different times. So like the run fits are going to have to be sound. They're going to have to be accounting for a variety of blocking schemes, and they're going to have to <laughs> kind of take into consideration, you know, you know how the run fits look, you know, with pass coverage too behind it. Because I mean, you saw it this week, you know, McCole Hardman's best play. Uh, in the you know, other than the touch, well, I guess the touchdown, but his 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 best play yeah, early yeah. was that great catch. That, by the way, that was a great catch. But the the slant, <laughs> the slant behind, you know, the you know there, that was a run pass option, and they were able to pop a slant because the you know the slot guy drive drove on the flat, and there was a big gap based on alignment by the backers. So there was a big space to operate, and Patrick Mahomes hit that. And so there's just always going to be a lot of problems for defenses. And, it's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to handle, and that was really important. You know, the defense. I do want to say one oh, thing no. before we move off of this run game. I am 
tired of watching Travis Kelsey run split zone in the preseason, let's not put any more wear on that man's body. <laughs> like, I get that blocking is part of his game plan, but having him crash backside on a defensive end two or three times in a game, I'm I'm done with that. Thank you. I love watching Travis Kelsey get out in space to block in the preseason mm-hmm. and how he just checks over his shoulder the entire time. It's just, so as soon as the play looks like it's dead, he's just like, yep, I'm out of here as he should. Yeah. I mean, as he hundred yeah. percent should, we don't want but to it just hurt. happens. It happens multiple times every game. And I just wonder if that's where the people that say he can't block, like, are they just watching the preseason when yeah, he's maybe. pulling up when a guy is getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage? I actually didn't want to go back because we were talking about RPOs and McCole Hardman slant. Eric Bieniemy just in the presser talked about how the Chiefs quote unquote consider slants part of the run game, mm-hmm. which I think for all of us is nice to hear because Patrick Mahomes throws a heck of a football on a slant route because of the <laughs> mm-hmm. arm angles he can use because he can throw the no look passes. Just please quit doing it on rolling out into the end zones. I think this is about the third or fourth time he's tried to no look a pass to the back pylon that he's missed because he tried to no look on an open receiver, and so. On these slant routes, I hope we see more of them from the Chiefs. They actually, I mean, they threw, what, at least two in this game, one to Hardman, one to Pringle. Maybe there was some more later in the game. Like, I hope we start seeing a little bit more of those just because the simple fact that I think this team could could utilize them very, very well off the RPOs with Patrick Mahomes' raw talent. I hope they start delivering more and more slants kind of as this goes on. Well, I mean, go. I mean, just real quick here, you talk about teams that are going to play too high against them. You're going to have those two high safeties that are going to have to stay on top of things, and their first step is usually going to be back because you've got McCall Hardman and Tyreek Hill on the field. So they've got to stay on top of routes, and now you've got linebackers that are going to have to flow to the gap quick because the Chiefs' run game might be better. So, yeah, it's going to open up that slant. It's going to lean on that more. Okay, go, Kent. I was going to say some of their more lucrative RPO plays have been on slants. Uh, That's been one of their bigger, you know, Tyree kill running away from people on a slant, McCall on a slant. Like if you can find ways to integrate those more. Marcus Kemp. There was another one from that. I think think teams have done better recently taking away some of those slant RPOs. They've been a lot better with it, Uh, but maybe some of these new blocking schemes introduce some potential for, some better angles to, to try to pop those slants. And I think that's something that could be really interesting and something worth monitoring for sure. You all, you all talking about offense over here and I'm here just trying to talk about the defense for once. <laughs> you want to know something we've, we've theorized it. We've talked about it. You know, we've looked at some personal adjustments with Chris Jones playing more at defensive end. And, you know, we've seen, a, we're, we're seeing a decent amount of a sample size now between training camp between you know preseason games and kind of just theorizing i just want to say the run fits on this football team are looking outstanding mm-hmm. and it's, it's been a joy to watch this team defend the run the first couple of weeks look you know we talk you know the, the the chief fence didn't give up a yard for the first 12 minutes of this game or something crazy like that and you want to know why because the run game was where the run defense was outstanding. The cornerbacks in the run fit. Legarius Sneed playing out of his mind against the run. You know, Steve Spagnuolo has always talked about earning the right to rush the passer by, you know, by, you know, stopping the run on first and second down. And you might think it's archaic and you might think, you know, that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, not, you know, really valuable to defend the run. It's but, so funny that you're saying this, by the way. I know, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Clip it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, 
I'm going to get, this is going to turn into like a slander ad on television. If I ever try to run for <laughs> Congress or whatever. For analytics secretary. Oh, <laughs> secretary. <laughs> the analytics. But anyways, look, I, I think you kind of saw the value of, of good run defense, you know, this last, uh, this last game, because it took them a while to get a first down. It's because they're really good in early downs. And, you know, I think, you know, there was a, I think there was like a second and three that turned into a third and three because, uh, because they, I think it might've been, I mean, that might've been the Chavarius Ward run. The fits are great. The personnel is in the best position it's ever been in the Steve Spagnuolo era to stop the run. Uh, and, you know, they've invested a lot at the linebacker position to kind of clean up behind a now very dense defensive line. It's been really fun to watch. And it's not that they don't have some ability to rush the passer or really defend, you know, the pass. This defense is kind of shaping up pretty nicely here. I mean, they've looked they've looked really good through two preseason games now. And I think you can see the direction that they're going mm-hmm. on why that they might be better. I think it, you do have to kind of start with Chris Jones playing defensive end. I, I think I saw a stat that he's only lined up as a defensive tackle like three-ish snaps so far in the preseason. That was it was a, a something I think from a PFF account, but it just hasn't been very often. He's essentially lining up defensive end almost full time right now, and part of that's probably due to Frank Clark being injured and the depth mm-hmm. that they have right now. But he's playing defensive end, and when he's doing so, he's looking pretty good. I still don't know if he's shown you much speed up the arc, but when you combine just his power, his length, and then a little bit more ankle flexion that he looks to have right now, he's doing enough that he can threaten the corner with that length, with that power, and getting just low enough with his pads. And as soon as you start dealing with that, I mean, ask DJ Humphreys how that inside two-hand swipe went. (laughs) DJ Humphreys had a really good year last year. He's a high-quality offensive tackle right now. Chris Jones beat him in about as flawless as you can with a pass rush move that not very many defensive ends use just because they don't have the body frame and the skill set to do it. And he made him look really bad in the run game. This might be the best I've seen Chris Jones play the run. Yes. Yes, if you isolate him in space, it still looks questionable. But he's not dealing with bullies that are low to the ground, that offensive guard that can drive him, you know, off line of scrimmage. He's not just crashing hard one way or the other where he's getting washed out down the line of scrimmage. He's doing a really good job kind of holding contain. And God forbid, quit putting tight ends trying to block Chris Jones. He's going through him. He's going around them. Like, if you want to handle Chris Jones, just leave him unblocked and threaten him in space, threaten him with a two-way go don't use your tight end on it. You're just wasting a player to get embarrassed. I mean, I listen, I personally love that teams are going to put a tight end on him because I did. The results are hilarious. Um, I, I think it's funny that the chiefs defense is largely doing this in the run fit without arguably their two best run defenders too. Like this team gets to add Derek Nottie and Frank Clark to the run fit two exceptional run defenders so now not that you know frank clark's going to be replacing mike dana who is also an exceptional run defender so let's be clear with that but i am very curious to see how salty this team is going to be on some early downs can they get themselves into those second and long situations into those third and long situations that steve spagnola has thrived in for the past two years he really has been excellent in those situations it allows him to dial up the blitz it allows those guys to be able to pin their ears back because they don't have to worry about a run on third and 11 because they played so well on the first two downs it just opens everything up 
by being able to play a little bit better, a little bit stouter along the line of scrimmage there. And one of the guys that's really improved that we talked about Anthony Hitchens last week. I'm talking about Willie Gay this week. Willie Gay did not get much go his way. Uh, the, the D or the offense largely went away from him. Didn't really target him. Didn't really, really focus on him. And he still almost made an impact in a bunch of plays. Now, the field was terrible. There was at least one play that I know of that Willie Gay was going to come up and probably be able to fill the alley and make a tackle that he just wasn't able to because he lost his footing, just like everybody did in this game. But what I loved about Willie Gay is he's not receiving pre-snap coaching from Anthony Hitchens. You're not seeing that obvious communication that you saw last year that you see with some rookies that play with Anthony Hitchens. There's a knowledge of where he needs to go. There's a knowledge of where he needs to line up as there's motion, as there's shifts, as there's guys that are rotating in the backfield and things like that. It's just coming to him now, and he's playing faster because of it. And one of the things I think is the most important is the way that he attacks blocks and attacks offensive linemen. The the play that everybody remembers, Chris Jones dominating a tight end from the backside and you know coming up and making a play was able to happen because Willie Gay actually came up, took on DJ Humphreys, extended through the outside shoulder, was able to peek inside, squeeze the outside gap, and was able to shut it down. That is high-level play against the run by Willie Gay. Stuff that we didn't see last year. Stuff that we, you know, we've talked about how he needed to improve some of that stuff. The early returns. In one game, the early returns are very positive for Willie Gay. So, I'm the the hype train's going like <laughs> let's get that going. I know we're all excited about the man, but he looks fantastic right now. Do you know what would look fantastic on your fiance's finger? A Ruback ring, custom ah. jewelry from Ruback Fine Jewelry here in Kansas City, the oldest jewelry in the city. Go talk to Hal. Go, go talk to him, and, and you're going to get a custom ring buying experience. You're going to get to talk to someone that is not trying to push you. He's not trying to you know, stretch you beyond your budget, but he's going to understand your budget. He's going to work within your budget to try to find something that makes sense for you and the person that you love. I've got to talk with Hal in person, spend some time with him. I can promise you it's a no-pressure ring buying experience. I wish I knew about Hal and Ruback Fine Jewelry when I was looking for my ring back, you know, way back in the day, <laughs> I'm getting pretty old, but uh, I, I love what Ruback Fine Jewelry is doing. And I promise you, anybody I've talked to that's looking to buy a ring and we've got some friends in, you know, that, you know, I, I, I'm not calling Jake out, but I've been, I've been telling him anytime the next time <laughs> that he need next time, you know, when he, when it's, when it's time, Ruback Fine Jewelry is where you need to go. Ruback.co. There is no M. But ruback.co, set your appointment up with how for a custom ring buying experience. No hassle. It's, it's, I promise you. I, I'm not just saying it. I love what they do. I really believe in them. Let's talk about some players on both sides of the football that got us excited for the Cardinals. Maddie, we're going to start on offense. Give me somebody that got you excited. Well, excited might be a strong word, but I am starting to turn the corner on one Jody Fortson. Uh oh. Tied in mm -hmm. because. He does, he tries as a blocker, and when I say tries, I mean, he's effective. 
he knows what he's supposed to do in his blocks. He knows the angles he needs to take for his blocks. He's learning how to play the dish. Like his actual approach to make contact with the player, not always great. He's a little all over the place, but that's to be expected. But he's ta- he's doing a good job getting into the right position to make these blocks. He had a really nice job pulling around, leading up through the hole, actually picking up a linebacker right kind of at the line of scrimmage on a power run where he was coming across behind the guard. I think he's progressing well as a blocker. Then you add on the fact that I do think that his size presents a good receiving threat. I'm actually at this point in time, I almost feel like he's more ready to make an impact today than Noah Gray is. I still like Noah Gray more. I do mm-hmm. think Noah Gray's got a higher ceiling than Jody Fortson. Actually, push comes to shove. I know everyone talks about Jody Fortson's athleticism. I just have to go off on this now. Watch Noah Gray run and move around a football field and watch Jody Fortson and try to tell me that Jody Fortson's a better athlete. I don't know how you can. Noah Gray clearly changes directions better. He looks quicker. He's actually built thicker. Like maybe Fortson has a little bit of a top end speed on him, but he's like Noah Gray looks to be the more athletic player. Jody Fortson looks more physical, looks like he understands the position of tight end better. I think he's just more ready to make a play right now. So if the Chiefs can find a way to keep him on the roster, if you are looking for a backup, you know, move tight end, a guy to put out there with Travis Kelsey occasionally, or in three tight end sets, and you have Blake Bell, Travis Kelsey, then Jody Fortson, I could actually buy where he's the next best guy right now at this moment in time, because I do think he's shown a lot of development from last year to this year. If the Chiefs hadn't traded up for Noah Gray, Jody Fortson would be a lock for this roster. Agreed. I'll say it. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll so. say it. He yeah. looks good. He, he does. He looks good. And this is coming from a guy. I, you know, I am I've talked about how there are contested catch guys in camp that show out and people really, you know, they bang the drum for him and everything like that. He's still a contested catch guy. Don't get me wrong. But the little things that he's doing at tight end indicate they're they're positive indicators like you can look at him in these games and say wow like again i referenced it earlier ran a gh counter where he came around the outside as an h back and got in the way was able to kick the defensive end out a little bit was able to push and create that gap that's good it's not always the most effective blocking that you can see but it is a situation where you you can see i come from a guy what a big foot guy before all of this I just really, really like what we've seen takes because I know he's a hot topic right now, but I want to hear yours as well. He's, you know, he's gotten better. I mean, I, I kind of agree to that sentiment. And there's some, po- you know, Dave Tobe just got done talking about how he's made some big strides on special teams. Like there is a lot trending in the direction of Jody Fortson seeing, you know, the 53 man roster. And good for him because this is a guy that started as a receiver. He looked like an unathletic receiver. I mean, the, 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 the struggles I had with him was his inability to separate. Um, you know, he's, he's probably a little bit more better positioned with his athletic profile to play tight end than he is receiver. That's very obvious. But he's done a lot of little things to improve, and that's a big credit to him. You know, this is, you know, they asked him to, you know, change positions. They asked him, you know, if he wanted a shot to make this football team, they, were, you know, they asked him to change positions. And, you know, he was able to rise up to the challenge. And deliver, Craig. And you know yeah. what, Craig? There might be someone else that uh, that uh, that might have delivered against the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. Speaking of best player who delivered, <laughs> uh, let's talk about McAdoodles. McAdoodles will deliver to you. Will take your liquor out of their grocery store, out of their liquor store, and deliver it to your car 
put it in the back with a smile, with the customer service that you would expect out of a Macadoodles. So I, we need to get one of them because they deliver time and time again. When I go to a Macadoodles, I get, once again, ridiculously excited because I know I'm going to get great service. I know that I'm going to get great selection and great prices on everything that I do. They deliver in the way that you want your liquor store to deliver. We need it in Kansas City or wherever your neck of the wood is. Info at Macadoodles.com. Get a hold of them and be able to bring a Macadoodles there if you're a franchisee. But this player who delivered, Darius Fountain, time and time again. We are now in week two of Darius Fountain really showing up. Maddie, I know you love Darius Fountain, and I know you're trying not to fall in love with him again, but it's be it's becoming really hard for you. This is this is such a hard spot because what I like Doris Fountain coming out of college. Like I, I I saw him play. I don't remember which one of the kind of uh, bowl games that he was not bowl games, but uh, the All Star games he was playing in. But I saw him there, so I went back and watched the film. So I liked him. I thought he was a really good contested catch player. And I questioned, you know, how would the athleticism translate to the NFL? And he played for the Colts for a while, and I think a lot of people there liked him, but he never really got a chance to get on the field and show. He's now with the Chiefs. As you know, these guys have said, contested catch guys show up in training camp consistently. Every year, there's a contested catch guy for every single team that kind of shows. And I do think Fountain's been that guy at wide receiver. I mean, you've seen him make some really difficult catches. I don't think he showcased his full bag in contested catch situations either. Like, you go back and watch his highlights from mm -hmm. college. Like, he's got some crazy body control. He can really elevate and attack the ball. But I think you saw the tracking on the vertical nine route down the sideline. You saw him take that big hit on that shallow dig or slant across the middle of the field and hold onto the ball. And there was no question that he was about to drop it. Like, Doris Fountain has played like the best wide receiver on this team through the preseason, just two preseason games. But he's been out there, he's been doing it. It's just, how do you believe that a guy that's had multiple years now to make a, a different roster, but make a roster and hasn't been able to stick? Like how much of my heart do I give out to Doris Fountain before he potentially gets cut again? And we're dealing with another Fred Williams situation circa like 2016 or whatever year that was <laughs> where this man was let go to keep junior Hemingway who did a whole lot of, not a lot for the chiefs when they clearly had a better receiver in camp is Doris Fountain, Fred Williams. Or is Reese Fountain about to be the next Marcus Kemp or Byron Pringle that sticks around for a little bit and builds into, you know, a useful guy to keep on the roster year after year? I think the problem... Maddie, give, give your whole heart, buddy. Just <laughs> dive all the way in. Get, get your heart broken again, buddy. It's I've better to love than lost. <laughs> Look, with, with Reese Fountain, you know, you just talked about Byron Pringle. Uh, you talked about Marcus Kemp. Those guys didn't make this football team because they could catch a football. And that's the thing that it, it depends, you know, with... With special teams, it's such an important piece of this thing for for a Darius Fountain. So if he's not standing out on special teams, you know it doesn't really matter what he's doing as a receiver. You can only take so many receiver only type players. Darius Fountain, I don't know if he's really taken a ton of steps, made a ton of impact on the special team side of it, and I think that's really where it's going to be tricky for him to make this football team, and will ultimately decide his fate. All right, so let's talk about the defensive side of the football here a little bit. Let's talk about some guys that might have stood out to you on defense. We'll start with you, Craig. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mike Dana because I don't think we're talking enough about Mike Dana here. Mike Dana is the player that we expect him to be. He's an exceptional run defender. He's ridiculously smart and processes things faster than almost anybody on this team. 
especially on this defensive line. He's just, he's next level with how quickly he processes things, which is why he's able to use himself in the ways that he is. And that's why this coaching staff loves him as much as they do. I've really liked what Mike Dana has brought to the table. And I feel like he's another one of those guys that was hurt by the field this past weekend, had a couple of rushes that I thought he was winning and lost his footing because the the field was just terrible. So <laughs> I, I would like to see a little bit more. I think we might see some Mike Dana just because the numbers game on Friday, we'll have to see here, especially with Frank Clark, definitely, definitely out. Don't play him on Friday. So I, I would like to see a little bit more Mike Dana rushing the passer. I, I think the early returns are more positive than last year. And certainly the early returns in the run game are phenomenal right now. I think he's going to be a very, very valuable piece to this rotation. And it's going to line up a little bit all over the place. Going to kick in a little bit to three tech as well. But what he's done at defensive end filling in from Frank Clark has been really, really good so far this preseason predicting defensive end playing time for this last preseason game is kind of wild. Like I'm operating <laughs> under the assumption that starters aren't really going to play. This is going to be the fourth preseason game. And I know there's conflicting reports on what Andy Reed thinks about that right now, but that's just what I'm operating of. So that means Chris Jones isn't playing. Frank Clark shouldn't play. Are you really going to be able to sit Mike Dana who should get sat before somebody else? Or are you going to give Alex Okafor who has a long history one in the NFL mm. And two of injuries. Like if you have to pick one to sit, is it the second year guy who's clearly the better player, who's clearly higher up on the depth chart, but he's not the veteran. He's the second year guy. So like, which one do you choose to sit? So I think it just gets hard. I like Mike Dana. I think he's playing really well versus the run. He might be the smartest player on this entire team besides Patrick Mahomes, just in terms of understanding things. I still am waiting to see something as a pass rusher. I know there was a lot of talk about how he was better in camp this year. And in some clips, I see it. But for the most part, I still see a slow burn pass rusher. I still see a guy that has to win with his hands and then slowly work his way around the corner using his power, using his strength, his technique to finish winning. And just none of that happens quickly. I really, I'm just waiting to see that before I can dive full all in like Craig has. But there's a ton of value to what Mike Dana presents beyond just all. Absolutely. They're just, you know, it's again, like, and I think, you know, we, we have this conversation. It's just important to calibrate. There is not 53 all pro players on this roster. There are a bunch of players and some of them make sense in their roles. There's a lot of great fits and Mike Dana is a perfect fit for what he is. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to elevate beyond what he is and kind of his defined role, if he can be more of a pass rusher, uh, but there's still a ton of value to what he presents. All right, Maddie, give me someone on defense. First, I got to defend my guy, Devin Key, because I know a lot of people have been unimpressed with him. Like this game, I think the first game he was better in. There was one bad play and a lot of good plays. This this game, there wasn't as many good plays, but the bad play that happened, like, all right, let's, he was in good position here. It wasn't the best transition out versus slot fade, <laughs> but he was perfectly in phase. He was right where a defensive back can be. He just has to know that he's out leveraged on a fade route and he can't turn to play the ball. He has to play the wide receiver. It's a learning moment. I'm not saying he didn't get beat, but he wasn't smoked. He wasn't blown out of the water or anything. He was right where he needed to be. He just needed to play the hands of Ross Travis. Revenge game called that one. <laughs> rather than trying to look over his head to play the football. So like, I don't think Devin Key's been bad. I know a lot of people, I think we as a group got their hopes up because he has been kind of impressive through camp. There are some things to like. And I think giving up two touchdowns in the preseasons kind of made people cool off. But 
you know, one bad play in a preseason game when he's playing like 50 snaps or whatever he's played was, I'm not, not that bad. But the guy that I was impressed by, Tershawn Wharton. Back-to-back weeks now, Tershawn Wharton's looked a lot better than he did last year. He looks stronger. He looks more physical. He threw in a spin move this week. He had a nice little uh, forklift or Hamilton technique to get another pass rush, whatever you want to call it. And then the Patton and Euro step. Like he's getting a much deeper pass rush arsenal, and he's not a liability in the run game. I don't think he's strong in the run game, but I do think he can penetrate a gap. He can cause enough disruption that if you put him in there on second and seven, it's not a free three, four yards to run directly at him anymore, especially if he gets a good jump. So I do think Wharton's going to kind of play a big role for this team, even with the bringing in of Jaron Reed. Yeah. And we talked a lot about how that dime rotation with Chris Jones on the inside next to Jaron Reed, Frank Clark, and, you know, somebody else, whoever that may be, you know, Alex Okafor, Josh Kando, whoever that is at that other defensive end rotation spot there. Turk Wharton doesn't want to give up that spot. He doesn't. And he's playing like a man that's not going to give up that spot. He looks fantastic, especially rushing the passer. He's winning in close quarters. He's able to beat some pretty decent interior offensive linemen here. Like he he's not just playing against scrubs. He's he's beating some folks. So I think that we are about to see a little bit of a breakout year for Turk Wharton as much of a breakout year as, you know, as you can compare it to last year, being a UDFA that made the team and contributed, we may see a more significant contribution from him. I listen, we might get to a situation where Turk Wharton, Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, Frank Clark is your four man rotation in the dime. And uh, you know what you can do. It should be. You yeah. can do some fun stuff with that. You really mm-hmm. can do some fun stuff with that. So I'm, I, I think that I would like to see a little bit more of that. I'd like to see that. I, I just am really impressed by what Turk Wharton has done, putting on the weight, being better against the run, and improving the pass rush arsenal. Uh, Chris Jones rushing better from the outside and not ne- necessitating that he kicks inside to rush really cope opens a lot up. I mean, and Turk Wharton has got to be happy about that. And like we just got done talking about defined roles with Mike Dana. I, I think Turk Wharton's still got a pretty defined role, but I think it's expanding. I think it's getting a little bit better because he has you're at least these guys' points. He's shown a little bit better against the run. Um, and, but he's also got, you know, that that really well de- the, the the well-developed pass rush plan or getting to a well-developed pass rush plan. And on top of all that, elite effort elite athleticism for the interior because he's an undersized guy. Those things are really valuable. Uh, and he's kind of nudging his way into, into different opportunities in different roles for this team. Tershawn Wharton was going to be the guy uh, that caught my eye on the defensive side of the football. And we're at 40 minutes. So I think it's about time to go. We talked about so much defensive line. Who would have predicted that through two preseason games that the defensive line and the way that they're playing – is the major story. Even though the corners are playing well, that's the major story here. That's just phenomenal. And Look, the linebacker room looks better, and it's still yeah, the like, major stories mm-hmm. in defense line. We, yep. on paper, lots of question marks all summer. Internally, a lot of guys got better. That's a credit to this entire coaching staff, and we got to give a lot of credit to Emprise Bank. Thank you to them for all they have done for uh for kc sports network it has been so much fun to be part of this uh venture and to have a partner in possible like them that's going to do it for the kc laboratory thank you so much for listening for watching we love you we appreciate you catch you later
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com